If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today's guest is Danielle Keogh. Danielle's going to talk to us about 10 points for rider biomechanics. Now, Danielle's been on before, so if you'd like to hear a little bit more about her, hear her first interview, go to horsechats.com, search for Danielle Keogh, or search for just one of those names and you'll find out a little bit more about her. But she's talking about 10 points for rider biomechanics. How are you today, Danielle? I'm very well, thank you, Glenn. Great. Now, you've just got off a horse and uh, found a quiet space for us to to have a chat. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Danielle, this topic, 10 points for rider biomechanics, why this topic? Uh, I am a physiotherapist as well, Mm -hmm. and I have just found that um, I've got – and I I do a lot of coaching, and and I do teach a lot of uh, junior physios as well, and I I found that I really like that aspect of it and trying to kind of merge the two a little bit. Yes. Uh, I just found that when I'm uh, coaching riders on horses, a a lot of the time I am quite focused on their position and their posture and and just seeing over time how much of a difference that actually makes to the horse's way of going uh, and and the confidence then that 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 translates to the rider. I've just started to kind of focus a little bit more on it, and and I think that being a, a physio, I... I um, I guess I have those kind of skills anyway. I I all the time look at how people are walking and and sitting and things like that. So it's come very natural for me to be mm. able to do those things and correct them. Yeah, you're not just saying you know your points on the horse, but you're talking about the points off the horse as well, which is pretty important because even if we're riding 10, 12 horses a day, 15 horses a day, we're still spending a lot of time off the horse as well as on the horse. That's correct. And, you know, it, it's surprising how little we understand about our body mechanics and also just our postural habits. Mm-hmm. And once people become aware of those, they realize that that actually can create tightness and stiffness and weakness just by those postural habits and correcting them or changing them or even being aware of them. You can really uh, make a big difference on onto the strength that you might have uh, on the horse. Yeah. Yep. So the first point we've got is the standing posture. How should we be standing? Because I'm standing <laughs> well, now and I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so these, when I look at um, people, the, the some points when I look at people off the horse, I the standing posture is a, a, a big thing for me because it really uh, tells me where they might be giving, as in they might be slouching through the lower back or they might be um, hyperextended through the knees. Hyperextended means the knees kind of go backwards a little bit, not directly in line. Mm-hmm. So I kind of look at the weight uh, when they're standing, how much weight they've got on each foot because if they're, if they're tending to load up one side, they'll do that when they're sitting in on the horse as well. I look at um, are their feet turned out because that's, again, a natural kind of tightness or stiffness either through the knee or p- predominantly through the hip. I'll look at where their knees are situated. Are they turning out? Are they turning in? 
Uh, same with their hips. Uh, is their thigh bones kind of more rolled around to the outside or to the inside? Their pelvis, I have a look at their bony alignment there and I put my hands on the top of the, the pelvic bones, which most people call their hip bones, but um, the hip bone is actually in the groin uh, and the, the pelvic bones are what we can feel the bony prominence kind of like at our waist. Mm-hmm. So that I look at that alignment and then I look at the spine. Is it is it sitting straight or quite often people have a little bit of a concave or convex, so bending in or bending out on the spine and then their shoulder blade and, and shoulder position and even their head position. You'll be surprised how many people have a natural tilt and that's quite, our head is one of the heaviest parts of our body. So when they have a natural tilt one way or the other, that actually loads up the side of the horse as well. Yes, yeah, it would be. Yep, yep. All right. What about sitting? Is that much the same? Sitting's much the same. Uh, when you put go back into sitting rather than standing, if you have a leg length discrepancy, so if you can naturally have one leg a little bit longer than the other or um, your biomechanics make the leg a little longer or shorter, so as in um, if the hip is rolled in or out, the leg will then change length a little bit. And there's a certain variance that's considered normal but when you go into sitting that's kind of taken away so then you can actually see the pelvic alignment true um, and and the spine alignment true because you've taken out the, that weight bearing through the legs and you've taken out any leg length discrepancy so then you're just looking at that kind of thing um, whether again the spine is up nice and straight whether the pelvis is even whether the shoulder blades are sitting straight or they're winging out to the side and and where they're um, and then that natural head tilt as well. All right. Now, this one leg longer than the other, is that more common when people are growing, like teenagers or, you know, going through that growth stage? No, it's not more common or less common. Unfortunately, when teenagers have a bit of a growth spurt, and usually between the ages of 12 and 16 is when they have a big growth spurt, that's really when um, things like scoliosis develop and things like that, because if they have a very quick growth spurt, their bones get longer than their muscles basically and their muscles become long and spindly okay. and a little bit weak, mm-hmm. too weak to hold up the spine and that's when like things like scoliosis develop. But leg length discrepancy, you know, you kind of, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You can have it when you're young, old, no, there's no um, okay. more yeah. or less, yeah. All right. Now the next thing you've got is the range of movement in the ankle, hip, back and shoulder. Yeah, so this is quite important. Um Definitely the ankle, the ones I've chosen there, because um, you can do very quick assessments on them, but the ones I've chosen there, obviously the ankle, because we need to have our heels down, or mm-hmm. at least we need to have at least 90 degrees range of movement. But that has to be 90 degrees, like right angle, comfortable. So you actually need more than that to be able to um, sit comfortably in the saddle, because if you, you know, if you can only get to 90 degrees, then chances are you're actually not going to be 90 degrees once you um, have your foot into the stirrup. So that's an important one. The hip, obviously you need to be able to bend a certain um, distance uh, of the hip to be able to sit into the saddle and you need to be able to um, rotate the hip around, you know, outwards and inwards a, a little bit to be able to be comfortable in the saddle and to be able to use those muscles effectively in and around the hip. Mm-hmm. The back, you have to have fairly good back movement because obviously the spine needs to move when you're in sitting trot and canter. You need to have a, a reasonable amount of rotation. You need about 30 degrees rotation of your upper body. So I need uh, for lateral work. So I need to have a look at that, how your um, rib cage and upper body move. 
and then shoulder range of movement. And lots of evidence shows that even if you only need to use your shoulder in a specific range, in a small range, which we do when we ride, it's not a massive range of movement. But if we don't have that freedom of range, then it actually affects the way we can use the muscles in and around the shoulder. So therefore, I check how much range they've got. And if it's significantly limited, then I then there is going to be a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. So then we have to kind of give them exercises that would help that. Okay. Okay, good. Good. We'll talk to you about exercises another time, but this is good. The information you're giving is great and very appropriate for riders, so good. Now, the next thing, the strength, squat, lunge, triceps. Yeah, so again, when I'm doing an assessment, Mm. there's so many things you can assess, but if you want, you need to be reasonably um, quick with the kind of things that you want to have a look at. And, And when I'm looking at the squat, you can kind of look at range of movement as well, but you're you're looking really at hip strength a little bit there. You're looking at hamstring and quad strength and length. So um, that, that's a good one with the lunge, same thing. You, you're looking at the hip strength on a single leg more predominantly. So is one leg going to be stronger than the other? And when they do that, when they're in the squat, do they actually shift their weight? Can they appropriately shift their weight backwards? Which means, uh, especially for jumpers, uh, show jumpers, and eventers, if they're in a squat position and they can't actually get their bottom back, they're probably going to load up their knees a little bit more and therefore um, be a little bit less stable in the saddle. Um, and lunging, same thing. If you're on the on one single leg and you've got uh, and you're weaker through that leg, you're probably going to be weaker than when you have to use it on the horse too. Okay. And triceps. Um, so looking at the triceps, that's the back of the arms. Now, you don't want to be pulling on the horse, but you definitely have to have them as good stabilizers because otherwise you're going to be using your biceps quite a lot, which is at the front of the arm, and you're going to be pulling up the horse. So you kind of are looking at the strength there of, of your upper back muscles, really. Yep. Yeah, I'm just writing some notes down here. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, the balance. The balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, People need really good balance. They need really good single leg balance. They need really good pelvic and lumbo-pelvic balance. So can they sit on their seat bones with their legs kind of held up off the ground and balance really evenly there? So there's a little balance exercise that you can do like that. Um, Because obviously then you really want an independent seat. And if you haven't got equal weight bearing from both of the seat bones, if you haven't got a fairly good core kind of thing and you can't use your legs independently, and that then you're, you're not really going to be um, have an effective independent seat. So looking at your balance, can you just balance on those seat bones? Can you just balance on one leg? And if it looks pretty good, then you probably have a reasonable chance of being able to be balanced in the saddle, even if you do have some of the other kind of biomechanical um, issues. We can address them because you, coming back to the balance, you it will um, it, it will show up so that you can actually have, develop an independency. It's really hard to um, develop that independency if you don't have that good balance. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so that's your assessment of the horse. We've got an assessment on the horse. Tell us about the assessment on the horse, the leg position, you've got rotation at the ankle and the hip, just what sort of things you're looking at there. Yeah, so some people, when they're sitting in the saddle, will have their leg way too far back or mm-hmm. have their leg way too forward. And, again, this kind of depends um, 
where where their pelvic alignment is a little bit as well. So probably the, the weight in the saddle and the pelvic alignment should have been the, the first point. But the leg position, you're just looking at is the knee kind of rolled out or is the, the knee kind of pushed into the saddle? That's going to give you a little bit of indication whether they grip with their knees or they kind of grip with their bottom and the back of the leg. And therefore, and that will look at the rotation of the ankle. So lots of people have toes turned out. Uh, that's a, um, a bit of an indication. It's not 100%, but a bit of an indication that they'll be kind of squeezing with their bottom cheeks or gripping with the back of their legs um, to either stabilize themselves in the saddle or actually to get the horse moving forward. Um, and then, and that hip as well, whether there is kind of turned all the way out or is rolled in. So whether they're a little bit tight through the groin or whether they're a little bit tight through the buttock muscles. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. The weight in the saddle. Tell us about that. Yes. This is really the, the weight in the saddle or the pelvic alignment. You really want to see is, is the pelvis sitting. Uh, lots of people say sit on your seat bones, mm. but the seat bone can be fairly wide. So the seat bone can actually be like three centimetres wide. So you can sit actually on the front of the seat bone or you can sit on the back of the seat bone or directly on top of the seat bone. And it makes a huge difference to where your weight is in the saddle. So that's a little bit individual. Uh, so you have to have a look at that as well and whether they're loading up a little bit more to the right or to the left so that you can see that. Is their pelvic bone sitting a little higher on the right or is it sitting a little higher on the left? Is it, a little, is it pushed forward on the right? Is it pushed forward on the left? Um, yeah, so those are the things that you can, you can have a look at and you can, you can see. This is such a great checklist for, for instructors. You know, I'm sure that you've given them and they're not a specialist, a specialist like you are, but it gives them a bit of a checklist to go through. So great information there, Daniel. Thank you. No problem. problem. (laughs) Okay, the next one we've got, the rib cage position. Yeah, so um, lots of people, it's hard because I guess I look at people all day, every day, and this is what I do kind of thing as as a physio, and then I I do it again as, as a coach with horse riders. But the rib cage is actually it goes a little bit under the radar. People will see, or coaches or riders might see in the mirror, oh, that hand is always forward, or that hand is always back, or that shoulder is always down. But it can actually be the rib cage position. So scoliosis is a natural biomechanic um, things like that issues or. Um, dysfunctions can definitely place the rib cage in an unusual position or a, a difficult position. However, they can just have a, the rib cage a little bit rotated to the right or to the left because of workplace environment or postural habits or you know things that they do the same way, the same thing, the same way every single day. I mean, if people really thought about it, they probably cross their legs the same way all the time under the table. I'm pretty sure people, when they go to clean their teeth, they clean their teeth exactly the same way all the time. They're all postural habits that play mm-hmm. a big you know, part. And yes. that, um, and the rib cage position uh, really feeds into that. Like people who have to drive to work for an hour, if they've got their elbow up onto the car window, that's going to put their rib cage deviated slightly over to the right. Say if they're looking, if they're out to the right, and if they do that day in day out for ten years, that rib cage is actually going to be shifted slightly to the right. 
Um, so they'll have that 100% on a horse too. <laughs> yeah, it's those habits off the horse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that rib cage position isn't a um, biomechanical, as in it's not something that you're born with. It's not mm-hmm. something that the, the joints are lined up differently. It's just it's a muscular or a stiffness thing that you can definitely change. So I look at that because it can be it can be shifted right or left or it could be rotated forward or back. Yep, yep. All right, now pelvic position. So the pelvic position, that's what I was kind of talking about with the weight in the saddle. Okay. That's the, um, the pelvic position, whether it's kind of shifted forward on the front of the seat bones or shifted back on the back of the seat bones. So if it's shifted forward on the front of the seat bones, you'll have a bit more of an arch in your back. So for people who are a little bit um, slouchy in the saddle, you want them to shift their weight to the front of the seat bones. Mm-hmm. Now, for people who are a little bit more, um, ha- have a great big arch in their back, you actually want them to shift their weight to the back of their seat bones. Um, and you, if they're directly on top, they more or less bounce in the sitting trot rather than go with the horse. So finding where their pelvic bones should actually be is quite important. And now the last thing is the elbows. Tell us about the elbows. Yeah, so again, when you look at the el- the pelvic position and then the rib cage and all those kind of things combined, the elbows can also give you, if you're not quite sure, can give you a, a bit of a giveaway where they might be in terms of um, those kind of other things like the pelvis and the rib cage and the shoulder blades. If the elbows are really straight and the hands are down, more likely they're going to be tipped forward in the saddle because they tend to use the the mane or the wither as a little bit of a balance or a bit of a support. Mm -hmm. And so they're leaning forward. If the hands are a little bit up high, they probably are leaning back a little bit more and they're a little bit more in that kind of couch position. Now, this is not 100%. This is just things that you look for. Yep. So the elbows, whether they're nicely, softly relaxed and, and the moving part of the arm as they go into rising trot is quite important. So as they go up and down in the rising trot, the elbows should be the moving joint. If the elbows are really straight, the hands kind of move up and down with the rising trot because they're stiff. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. if the elbows are kind of loose and, and moving by their side, then obviously the, the hands can stay nice and still. And then you look at the elbows if they're winging out to the side or if they're nicely tucked into the body. Yes, and the, the elbows still and not moving with the horse and then the hands going up and down is going to have an effect on the horse and then it's going to have an effect on the whole overall picture. Yeah, Correct. Yeah. So if the hands are kind of like stuck down, yes. then the horse is going to feel a bit more of a negative pressure mm. um, rather than, the you know, you can still have bit pressure, but the hands stuck down and kind of a bit rigid or kind of moving up and down with the rising trot, it becomes a bit of a, a, a um, inconsistent contact really. Yes. And then if the hands are like winging out to the side, if your elbows wing out to the side and that's how you um, – try to create a little bit of bit pressure or that's um, where you're um, holding the reins. Quite often then when you go to use the reins, you'll be pulling, your elbows will go further out to the side and so therefore your reins will be actually pulling backwards a centimetre. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now a centimetre might not be a lot to us, but a centimetre on the bit is quite significant for the horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's, that's really good, Danielle, and I can see how some, you know, these off the horse, on the horse, and the, they're all related. It, it's all, you know, one thing is going to affect another part of the position, isn't it? 
Sure, yeah. yeah. They yeah. all kind of feed yeah. into each other, yeah. Yep, yep. All right, as usual, great to talk to you. Lots of information here. Much. Yeah, lots of information <laughs> for people to take away. I know I've taken down a few notes, that's for sure. Um, yes, <laughs> that's good. Yes, yes. And love to have you back again, Danielle. Hopefully we can talk to you about even some rider exercises would be brilliant or something <laughs> else that you'd think that we need to listen to. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. Thanks for the chat. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.